Hey everyone, welcome to Sunday night, at least it's Sunday night in much of the United States, and um, welcome wherever you are watching throughout the world. It's great to be here. It is live. A couple of updates for you. Tomorrow, I'm going to be doing a live update with Monkey at, it'll be 2 o'clock California time, 4 p.m. Texas time, and uh, wherever you are, I hope you can tune in. Uh, 2 o'clock tomorrow, live with Monkey. I'll do a little bit of an interview. We're going to talk about, a lot about things that are going on. And then we're going to take your live questions. Also, on my midweek update this week, I'm going to be talking about the economy. I'm going to be look. this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give you an update based on the black horse of the book of Revelation. And we got to see some things. There's unbelievable things that are taking place. You aren't hearing about anywhere out there on the news. You can pull up some of the financial people that are talking about it. Uh, and let me tell you, what's happening in China, you better be aware of it. Uh, there are so many huge threats coming. But I'm going to be talking about this on a Wednesday on my update. Uh, I look forward to that and updating you there. And then also, uh, in just a little while here, as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to take your live questions. So remember, save your questions until the end. Make sure you put the word QUESTION in all caps. And I'll get to as many questions as I possibly can uh, by the time we get to the end. And one more thing regarding the questions. I don't get to all of them. I got a lot of questions via email this past week. I'm going to get it around to answering those. In fact, some of them I answer on his channel on Mondays. I have a program that I'm on. It's called uh, Today's Bible Questions. And that's every Monday. I'm on there. Uh, Don Stewart is on a few times a week and also is Craig Hawkins. So we rotate in, but I'm the Monday guy, and I take a lot of the questions I don't get to on Sunday nights or on the Monday afternoon lives, and I go and do them on hischannel.com on today's Bible questions. So let's get going, uh, because we're in the book of Joel. Remember, we left off with Joel last week. We're picking up from where we left off. And think of these words. One prophecy speaker writes, things are worse than we might expect. Even though the Bible and all the world events are a clear message that something is about to happen and it will be catastrophic at the very least. It has been stated in many polls of the general population, something is going on and something is about to take place. Now that quote was from about two years ago, from back in 2019. So think of uh, people already thinking something wasn't right. Remember thinking that? In 2019, something catastrophic was going to take place. Well, here we are about two years later. Continues, and even with the Bible being over 3,000 years old, even though it is readily available to anyone anywhere, it's seldom consulted. We already know the Word of God is factual and its prophecies have been fulfilled throughout history. That being the case, why do so few ever even crack open this book to see what is going on around us today? Indeed, we have the answers. And so few people want to even hear what the answers are. I'm not sure why, other than the fact that it's a spiritual reason. And just from talking to people, they don't want to hear it. Perhaps they're thinking if they look at the Bible and see what the Bible says, then all these things will come true. Listen, these things are going to happen. Whether or not you read the Bible, the Bible just helps us to be prepared and also strengthens us when you pay attention to the Bible because you know what it points to. Man, it lets us know Jesus is coming. So it gives you the strength to be able to press forward and to move forward. But the times are showing such great upheaval in the Middle East. 
uh, talk of pandemics and climate laws that are affecting everyone everywhere. Uh, no one is going to be exempt from the things that are coming, except for the elitists, the globalists, who are making the decisions, that are causing everyone else to be subject to the decisions that they make. As more and more threats of huge wars on the horizon, people want to see a time of peace, which we already know will never come until the Lord Jesus returns. And I say hallelujah. In fact, when you think of Psalm 122, when you say uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, because that's Psalm 122, verse 6, that's God's prayer request for Jerusalem. But ultimately what that is doing, when you are praying for the peace of Jerusalem, you're quoting Psalm 122, verse 6, what you're asking for is Jesus to return because there will need, be no genuine peace in Jerusalem until the Messiah comes back. The kings and the princes and the presidents and the governors, they tell us, don't worry, just go along with a plan. It's a process and that everyone must adhere to this new way. And the sooner everyone gets on board, the sooner this world is going to arrive at utopia. It'll be the perfect place. At least that's what they tell us. Never once do they think for one second to consult the oldest book known to mankind, the Bible. Oh, the Bible, they say, is a book of fairy tales and myths. It's just too old. It's too old-fashioned. It's out of date. Uh, it, it can't be useful to our modern times. And so the very information that they seek and the very information that people need is never seen, it's unread, it's rejected, and the only hope that anyone has in Jesus Christ and his word is mocked, it's ridiculed, it's scoffed at. And so these leaders, these globalists go along planning and plotting their world without God. Just like the days of Noah, just like the days of Lot, and as we find out from going through the book of Joel, just like the book of Joel. As Joel warned it would be in the last days. So as we continue with the book of Joel, uh, let's go through a few things. We're looking here, remember, minor prophets, major events. The minor prophets are, are not called minor uh, because they were less important. They were just smaller books than the other prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, for example, were big books, a lot of chapters. The minor prophets, small books, but yet still major events. The title of the message for uh, today is the Day of Reckoning. Uh, we're going to continue in Joel chapter 1. We're going to get into Joel chapter 2. We'll pick up in Joel chapter 1 from where we were last time. But again, it's a day of reckoning, and we're going to see it. And there's a lot of updating for what's just gone on in the last few days. And it is remarkable, the things that Joel talks about that we need to be warned of. So think of this. Uh, here's an, a refresher from last time. Joel has been called the book of Revelation, as seen in the Old Testament. Testament simply because it has very many uh, has uh, many similar verses to the book of Revelation and it also informs us of what the world is going to be like in the last days during the time of Armageddon and Antichrist. The name Joel means Jehovah is God. Joel's father's name from uh, verse 1 of chapter 1 is Pethuel and it means his name means vision. Therefore, Joel was the son of vision when you think of it that way. 
which seems quite appropriate for his ministry and message as a prophet. Joel is exciting, is powerful, and Joel is even frightening. It's frightening, again, if you don't know the Lord and if you don't understand his word. There's a day that is coming when God will judge, and it seems that we are on the edge of that judgment that is about ready to happen. The world is ripe for judgment. If you read the book of Revelation, you find out that you look, and God gives us a description of the grapes of wrath. These aren't grapes to be harvested by the person for wine. It's not a wine vineyard. It's this grapes of wrath where the world is just so full of sin and so ripe that God decides he is going to judge this world. And what happens is, as the judgments are laid out and the judgments start to come, men refuse to repent, refuse to surrender to God, and they are turned over to a reprobate mind. So when we left off in Joel, there's a bug invasion. It was a, an invasion of locusts. And it destroyed the land. And here Joel continues with the illustration of evading locusts and the destruction they bring. And he uses that to warn about the coming day of the Lord, the great day of tribulation, the great day of Armageddon, the great day when Jesus comes back. Hence, again, the title is real simple. It is the day of reckoning as we continue uh, with Joel and uh, see what the Bible has to say for us. So here. As we continue, in the book of Joel, the day of reckoning, first thing we come to is, number one, it's the day of desperation. So Joel begins, uh, when you get to verse 8, telling about Judah. Uh, this would be the southern kingdom. Uh, I remember Joel was writing about 8, right around 850, 830 to 865 AD, if my memory uh, serves me correctly. Uh, B.C., excuse me, before Christ came. So after David's kingdom, after Solomon's kingdom. So then you started getting into the time of the wicked kings and the wicked priests and the wicked prophets, and they, they had all turned from God. So he's writing, he's in Judah, the southern kingdom, and he's warning of the impending doom. So you have the threat from Assyria at that time, and then eventually the threat would come from Babylon, but Joel ties it all in together. And so much of what Joel says, as I already mentioned, has to do with the last days, the tribulation period. But in verse 8, Joel says, lament like a virgin that is girded in sackcloth. This is with all the, the, the emotion of a widow. The widow is ready to get married. And she's thinking, I'm, or the lady's ready to get married. The virgin's ready to get married. She's excited. Her groom's going to be there. And tragically, her groom faces death. Look at this. Joel chapter 1, verse 8. Lament like a virgin girded with sackcloth. For the husband of her youth, the grain offering and the drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. So again, you have, what do you have? The, the, this lady, she thinks she's a virgin. I'm going to get married to this guy. He's been the one I was supposed to marry since my youth. He's tragically killed. Lament like that for this virgin who was just destroyed emotionally. And then the grain offering and drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn who minister to the Lord. The field is wasted. The land mourns for the grain is ruined. The new wine is dried up and the oil fails. So what do we have here just in the first uh, few verses? The priests mourn. The farmers mourn, the land mourns, the vine dressers mourn. And the verse 12 says, surely joy has withered away. Wow. From the sons of man. 
So Joel's pointing, painting a very bleak picture. Everybody is mourning. The priests, the farmers, the land, the vine dressers. There is no more joy in the land. Joel doesn't minimize the suffering at all. I understand this. When somebody is teaching the Bible and they're teaching a Bible prophecy specifically, and you can think, man, this is just so much bad news, I can't handle it. Listen, when you look at the prophets, they're telling the truth. I mentioned this in my message earlier today. When you look at Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah is, hey man, Lord, listen, I don't want to be talking about this stuff anymore. The people mock me, they scoff me, they make fun of me. I don't want to bring that kind of message anymore. You made me this way. I go before the people and I want to say nice things. And what comes out of my mouth is judgment and a warning of violence coming upon the land. Listen, Jeremiah is saying, God, don't make me do it again. But every time I open my mouth, you put your, you put your words into my mouth and I can't help but do it. This is the prophet's. This is the message that we need to hear. When you look at the days that we are living in, I feel like, man, uh, can people wake up? Most of you watching, obviously, you're paying attention, or you wouldn't be watching something like this. But you look, and you hear the words of the prophet Joel. He doesn't minimize it. Joel is saying, this is going to be painful. There's going to be no joy. Let me warn you what's coming, because if you don't repent, what's coming in eternity is worse than what you're about ready to experience. You must turn to the Lord. He doesn't do what the dentist does. When you go to the dentist and he's going to work on your teeth, and the dentist says, yeah, this might hurt a little bit. And you're sitting there in the dentist chair going, man, you didn't give me enough Novocaine, doc. I need more. This is killing me. No, Joel doesn't do that. He doesn't, he doesn't make it sound like it's all going to work out, speech, this won't be so bad, soon it's going to pass. Joel is telling the whole truth. There's a judgment from God that is coming. It will be beyond anything that anyone has ever imagined. Joel is preaching like Noah did before the flood. But much of what Joel points to is the coming tribulation period that leads up to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, when you look at, at the events leading up to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, the events are bad that are going to happen because Jesus is coming back. And all, you got all of these signs and all of these different events. And Jesus warned, when you see this and when you see that, man, you better look out. You better look up for your redemption draws near. But all of these things start to happen before Jesus returns. And the Bible doesn't, listen, the Bible doesn't lessen anything. Nowhere do you have in the Bible where all of a sudden the Bible just kind of goes, well, it's, it's, it's not going to be that bad. No, God says exactly how it's going to be. I think that's why people can't handle it. They can't handle the truth. God says it. Jesus said it. The prophets said it. And here we are. We're living in a time when Bible prophecy is just a little too real for most people. Let's think about some things. Check out this article. This one says, China fires advanced supersonic missile around the earth. This is from just the other day, from Saturday, the 16th. Listen to this. U.S. intelligence and military officials were reportedly left stunned after China launched a rocket in space carrying a hypersonic glide vehicle which circled the globe before speeding towards the target. The chilling test has alarmed U.S. officials and shows how China has made astonishing progress on the development of its hypersonic weapons, sources said. The source told the Financial Times, we have no idea how they did this. Doesn't that kind of disturb you? 
We have no idea how they did this? The U.S. military says? Wow. It comes as China has reportedly placed its military on high alert as state-controlled media warned Taiwan of a looming doomsday amid fears of invasion. Beijing and Taipei are feared to be sitting on the brink of a conflict which could end up drawing in the U.S. and potentially spiraling into World War III. Dozens of warplanes have been buzzing into Taiwan's airspace and mass breach landing operations have been carried out in exercises that are widely seen as rehearsals for or at least threats of a full-scale invasion from China. An article published by the Global Times, which is seen as the unfiltered masterpiece of the Communist Party, warned Taiwan faces doomsday. Going on the fantasize about the potential war, the article describes how China would deafen the blind uh, uh, Taiwan, deaf, how uh, China would deafen and blind Taiwan by using electronic warfare before then raining down rockets and missiles. You look at this, you go, what in the world is with this? So is China really getting ready to go to war? I mean, look at that. China fires an advanced hypersonic missile around the globe. You know, you're, you're, you're going, wow, and threatening Taiwan. Listen, I, I have much to say in my update this coming Wednesday that's going to affect the economy. China is in a free fall in their economy. You do not hear much about it here in U.S. news. I've been talking about this for the last several weeks. They're in a free fall. And what are they going to do? Listen, China doesn't have many options. And one of them is to, uh, to go to war and to go to war with Taiwan. Taiwan, by the way, has something like 70% of the chips that are needed, the computer chips, they come out of Taiwan. But you, but you look at a war, a very real threat of war. It sounds like it's coming. Is that going to help out China's economy? Is that going to be the diversion they need or something else? By the way, there's also talks of more viruses coming from the area of China. Not allowed to talk about that. Oh, by the way, we do finally have our own server, but it's going to be about two more weeks before I can do live on our own server. So all the lives will still be on uh, 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 just on uh, YouTube, but we're also going to be on Roku. I should yep, update you on that. It looks like we're going to be on Amazon. Uh, so if you have a TV and you watch it from your TV, you'll still be able to do that, even if I'm talking about things that are too sensitive for um, YouTube. Okay, now, so we got the thing with China, right? Okay, check this out. Workers who maintain supply chains warn of worldwide system collapse. Wow. Several industry groups have warned world leaders of a worldwide supply chain system collapse due to a pandemic, due to pandemic restrictions coming as Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell suggested that the current period of higher inflation will last until 2022. Ah, so supply chain collapse. Then there's this. Well, just a, just a few things to keep you in mind, uh, to, uh, to uh, keep before you, so you understand what's going on. U.S. News. New Navy order, Un unvaccinated sailors to be discharged could face financial penalties. Now saying, no, you guys don't do this, it's going to cost you money. Wow, you look at this. But there is pushback. Uh, most of us already know about this with Southwest Airlines. Southwest CEO says no one will be fired over the mandates. Of course, Southwest had the pilots that said, nah, we're not going to be taking this. So Southwest backed off, and then there's this. Uh, this is news that broke yesterday. 
This report is from today, but the news broke yesterday, or maybe even broke on Friday. Delta CEO says no to Biden's mandate for workers. We trust and respect workers to make right decisions and not forcing them over loss of their jobs. So there's pushback that is building. And then this is coming from Italy. Wave of Italian protest against mandatory work pass. And listen, all of you who are watching from Australia, I see the protests that are happening there. We are watching you guys over in Australia and also in Canada, two very difficult places uh, to live under the curtain, current restrictions. And then you have this, Canadian pastor defiant as judge orders him to parrot medical experts from pulpit, and he says, I will not obey. Now, I want you to just think of that. Look at that title again. As you think about that title, this is the pastor that was uh, arrested after he came back uh, into Canada. Many of you in Canada are fami very familiar with this. Uh, so are other people in the world if you're paying attention to Bible prophecy. But just think about this. So the judge is saying, you have to say what the medical community says you have to say. Right? He says, I'm not going to do that. I want you to think of this. This is what Muslim captors do to their hostages. They put them before a camera. They say, read this script and, and you won't die. And you look at this and you're going, what's really going on there uh, with this case? And this pastor being told, you have to parrot what the medical community tells you you have to say. Uh, you better say it and you better say it right. Wow. Okay. Well, I have a lot more to say. So let's keep going. So we have number one, the day of desperation. Number two is the day of destruction as we continue with the book of Joel. Look at this. This is Joel verse 15. Alas, the day for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. It is not the food cut off before your is not the food cut off before your eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God. So it's a warning. And notice here again in verse 15, he says, the day of the Lord. I mentioned this last time, five times in the three short chapters of Joel, he mentions the day of the Lord. So this launches us into the last days. But he talks about the food uh, being limited. There's famine. That'd be revelation. And, and the famine that's going to come in the book of Revelation, the, the book of Revelation tells us about. And also the other events here, joy and gladness from the house of our God. Everything is eliminated. The joy is gone. When you look at the judgments coming in Revelation chapter 18, the joy is gone. The seed shrivels under the clods. Storehouses are in shambles. Barns are broken down for grain is withered. When you think of the supply chain right now, it's way worse than that. Way worse than that. Personally, I believe that stuff is being manipulated right now. I have reasons for that. Talk about that later, too. How, uh, how the animals groan. So the animals are suffering. The herds of cattle are restless because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep suffer punishment. So the world is suffering from great famine. Oh, Lord. To you I cry out, for fire has devoured the open pastures, and a flame has burned all of the trees of the field. This is When you think of the judgment of the book of Revelation, and you start seeing how you have a third during the different plagues, especially the trumpet judgments, a third of the green grass is burned up, a third of the trees are burned up, and so forth. And you start looking at this, you're going, wow, this is the imagery that's coming during the tribulation period. Oh, Lord, to you I cry out, for fire has devoured the open pastures. I already mentioned that. The beasts of the field also cry out to you, for the water brooks are dried up. The flame has burned the green trees. 
and the fire has devoured the open pastures. Wow. As Joel writes about the great day of destruction, in Joel's day, uh, Assyria was the threat, the big threat. Babylon wasn't the big threat yet. But Joel had launched beyond Assyria. He had launched beyond Babylon. He had launched to the day of the Lord. Yes, Assyria was a threat to Judah, but it, didn't, but it wasn't used to judge Judah. Remember that? That was in the days of Hezekiah. Hezekiah cries out, and Assyria did not destroy Judah. Remember that? Okay. So then what happens? Assyria did destroy the northern kingdom of Israel. And then later on, at the time of Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon does end up destroying Judah. But Joel looks past Assyria. He looks past Babylon, and he launches all the way into the future and the time of the tribulation period. So this is basically, Joel gives us an insight to what the book of Revelation tells us how things are going to unfold. You have the seals, as the seals are opened up, you have the rider on the white horse uh, bringing the, you know, the, the, the uh, diplomatic peace or whatever it is he brings to the planet. Then you have the rider on the red horse, the great war, the massive war. Think of wars and rumors of wars, great war on the planet, still coming in the future. You have the black horse, then you have the pale horse that brings death and destruction to a quarter of the planet. Then you, 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 you go through the seals, and then you get over to the trumpet judgments. And again, what do you have in the trumpet judgments? That's where you have wormwood and a third of the trees burning up and so forth. Then you go to the bowl judgments, and the bowl judgments are severe. That's when you have the Euphrates River drying up and the Battle of Armageddon, and it gets so hot in one of the bowl judgments that men's skin gets absolutely scorched. You think there's global warming now? It is, uh, oh, oh, no, friends. During the tribulation period, the bull judgments, there will be some serious global warming. But then you get all the way through the tribulation period, and some of the very things that Joel is warning about, there's going to be no more joy. There's going to be no more music. There's going to be nothing. Everything's going to be burned up. You go all the way through the judgments, and then at the very end, guess what happens? Jesus comes back. He's riding on a white horse. And this is what Revelation chapter 19 tells us. John writes and he says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. This is Jesus. That's who this is. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Friends, that's you and I. Uh, when we go up in the rapture, we're going to be in the presence of the Lord, and we are coming back with him at the end of the tribulation period. And guess what? He's on his white horse. We're coming on white horses. And as my friend Don Perkins says, do you have your horse named yet? I think that's great. Name your horse, because we're coming back. Jesus is going to rule and reign forever and ever and ever. That's what this is talking about. And then it continues. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. Amen. I look at this and I say, amen and amen and amen. Listen, out of his mouth, we don't, in that battle when Jesus returns, we don't even have to do anything. Out of, out of his mouth comes a sword. It's then when he defeats the Antichrist and the false prophet, there are all, all these, these nations waiting in the valley of Armageddon. They're going to go well for them at 
all. And then it continues. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But it continues from there. And the Bible says this, And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And then the beast was captured and with him the false prophet. These two were cast alive into the lake a fire burning with brimstone and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded out of the mouth of him who sat on the horse. I say amen and amen and amen. People have asked me, what's going to be our position in the battle? What are we, how are we going to be fighting? We're going to be on horses and, and we're going to have all these armies of the world that are trying to kill us and we're coming back with Jesus. Ain't going to work for one thing. We're going to have our new bodies. We're going to have our glorified bodies. We're going to have these awesome horses. They're going to be hurt by the missiles that the nations of the earth are going to be attempting to kill Jesus with. And out of his sword, he does all the fighting. We don't have to do anything. We're just on horses going, woo, 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 this is great. And what happens? Out of his mouth, he slaughters he, he puts an end to it all. Amen. Okay. With that, the day of the Lord is one. It's a place of which that only heaven can help. And two, it is a time of which men are powerless to fix. In, in Joel, in chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible says, The beasts of the field cry out, the rivers of water dry up, and the fire devours. It is a place of which that only heaven can help. Nobody else can help it. And also, number two, it's a time of which men are powerless to fix. Verse 19, O Lord, to you I cry out, for fire has devoured the open pastures, and a flame has burned up all the trees of the field. Only men are powerless to fix the problems that are coming on this planet, and it's a time that only the Lord can help us. Judah, think of this, again, Joel is writing at the time of Judah. Judah was powerless to fix the problem of the drought back in the days of Joel from destruction uh, caused by the, the uh, invasion of the locusts. And the world will be powerless to do anything to keep the earthquakes from shaking, to keep the volcanoes from erupting, to keep the asteroids from destroying, to keep the fires from burning, to keep the sun from cooking their skin, to keep the demons from stinging, to keep the waters from turning to blood. Listen, this is what Revelation chapter 6 says. Let me, let me turn over there real quick with, uh, uh, with you. You can turn there if you have your Bible wherever you're watching this, Revelation chapter 6, when you come to the sixth seal, listen, it's a time only the Lord can help, and it's a time men are powerless to fix. The kings of the earth, Revelation chapter 6, verse 15, and the great men and the rich men and the commanders and the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him, from the face uh, of, of Jesus. Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. Wow. So right now, if you're paying attention to the news, this is what we're hearing about. An increase of earthquakes. We're hearing about uh, an increase of all these different of, uh, events, an increase of volcanoes. We keep hearing about them and hearing about them and hearing about them. The Bible projects 
that this increase will have its fulfillment during the tribulation period. When you go to the book of Joel and you stay there and you realize the things that Joel is saying are going to happen and you project them the day of the Lord, the last days, you go, wow. And then, listen, we just read it, Revelation chapter 6, you have the stars, there it is, the stars falling from the sky. Let me read this to you. When I chapter 6, verse 12. When he, the Lord, opened the sixth seal, behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the stars fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind, and then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up. Every mountain and island was moved out of its place. What's that describing three things? It's describing volcanoes and the smoke from the volcano rolling like a scroll. And also the earthquake and earthquakes as the mountains and, and things are moved out of their place. And then the stars falling from the sky like figs falling from a tree late in season. The word for stars comes from the Greek word aster. We get our English word asteroid. It can apply to comets. In fact, when you look at, at a wormwood, wormwood seems to describe a, a comet in Revelation chapter 8 that hits the planet. But, but uh, the uh, stars of Revelation chapter 6 could be comets, could be meteorites, could be asteroids. Uh, check out this article. Several asteroids, this is from End Time Headlines. Uh, several asteroids larger than the Great Pyramid of Giza will fly by Earth in coming weeks. That's an article from just the other day. So you look at these things, and the things that we are hearing in the news, this is what I think of. Let me turn over here. I want to show you this. I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to go here now. Joel chapter 38. Listen to these words from Joel chapter 38. God says to Joel, Have you entered the treasury of snow, or have you seen the treasury of hail? which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. So listen, God says, I've got a warehouse. In fact, some of your Bibles translate that as a warehouse. Have you entered the warehouse that I have of snow and of hail that I've reserved for the day of judgment, for the day of my battle and war on this planet? We get this picture from God that he has a warehouse full of, of uh, asteroids that are out there. Think of the asteroid belt that's out there. He's, got, he's holding back the volcanoes from erupting. He's holding back the volcanoes. He's the one that's holding back the economic catastrophe that he says is going to come back. One day, he's going to unseal. The seals are going to be open. The economic catastrophe is going to go. All these rumors of wars, they're going to explode. The rider on the red horse. The pale horse is coming also. We're going to have these things. He's going to remove the seals. And what are you going to have? The earthquakes. What are you going to have? The volcanoes. What are you going to have? You're going to have the asteroids. These things that are reserved for the day of battle and the day of war. Okay, let's move on. Last thing. Ready? Number three is the day of darkness. The day of darkness. Now look at this. Joel chapter 2. I want to get through this. Joel chapter 2. Joel writes, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. So there it is, the day of the Lord. It is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, a people come great and strong, the like of whom has never been 
nor will ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. By the way, there's some people that say this is uh, the battle of Ezekiel chapter 38 when, when uh, Russia and Iran and Turkey swarm upon Israel like a cloud. That's how it's described in Ezekiel chapter 38. Others are saying, no, this is the time of Antichrist at the very end. Others will say it's a dual fulfillment when Babylon eventually did come, but then also it's going to be fulfilled again in the future. I tend to think that because he does write day of the Lord, so it projects into the future, but also they're going to have their day in, uh, they had their day in, in Zion, in Jerusalem, and they're going to have it again. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely, Nothing shall escape. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots over the mountaintops, they leap like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like a strong people set in battle. Before them, the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation and they do not break ranks. So you have this whole locust picture at the same time, how the locust invades, but Joel is using the locust concept, all going in ranks and devouring everywhere they go to let us know, listen, there's a battle coming, there's a day of darkness coming, there's a day of destruction that's coming. That's far worse than the locust invasion. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. Again, he's using the locust to help people understand how horrific that day is going to be. Again, so I look at this. Babylon came. Time of Nebuchadnezzar destroys Jerusalem. Then you have the Romans destroy Jerusalem in 70 AD. Then you have Hadrian again in 135 AD. But ultimately, when you read this, this all projects into the future. The people got the locusts on their mind. He's already given them that imagery. We saw that last time when we looked at the first message in Joel. We already have that imagery, and he's letting us know this is how horrific it's going to be. The earthquakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark. Again, this is imagery that we read about in the book of Revelation. And the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? There again, the day of the Lord, who can endure it? Wow. Listen, there's so much there. I don't even need to give you the imagery. You already got it just by listening and reading the words. Joel's words are warning and a call to repentance. Listen, you need to turn to the Lord. Folks, this is how bad it's going to be. The prophet Joel, like I said, he's not like the dentist who said, that's going to all work out. Eh, you'll feel a little pain. No, he's bringing it. He wants people to know. Listen, God wants people to know. When God gives us the signs, if they're, they're warning signs, just like signs you have when you're driving somewhere. If you drive and you see a sign that says curve ahead, you know there's a curve ahead, so you've got to make adjustments, right? You see a sign that says bridge out. What do you know? I better put on my brakes and not go any further or I'm going over the cliff, right? God gives us his signs. He gave the prophecies of the Old Testament, some for Judah, some for Israel, some for the last days. So we have these signs. Listen, 
God doesn't say, listen, it's going to be all right. No, he warns us. When you see these things, you better wake up and you better repent. During the time of the tribulation period, even though the world, the unsaved world, is going to know that God bringing the judgment, look at this, Revelation chapter 9, they refuse to repent. But the rest of mankind, who were not killed by the plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands. Revelation chapter 9, verse 20. Look at this, chapter 9, verse 21. And they did not repent of their murders, or their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thief, or, or, or the thefts. Again, they would not repent. Revelation chapter 16, verse 9. And they did not repent and give God the glory. Revelation chapter 16, verse 11. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Listen, to repent is to make a change of mind. You turn, you make a U-turn. You make a U-turn. You turn from your sin and you surrender to the Lord. But the people would not do it, even though they knew it was of the Lord. You look at the warnings from Joel. It's very descriptive. He uses the whole locust invasion to make his point about how bad it is going to be. And he says, listen, listen, listen. You need to turn to the Lord. You need to repent of your sins. Uh, I want you to think of this. Check this out. These are just some of the events that are taking place right now that I believe God is... I, I will look at it and think, how much more obvious can God make it that we are approaching the end times? Think about this. Here's this. German state allows food stores to ban the unvaccinated. In other words, if you don't got your papers, you can't buy or sell. Wow. How much more obvious can God make it that we are leading up to the time in the book of Revelation that you can't buy or sell, right? Which is another message I'm going to be doing soon. And then there's this. U.S. Treasury Department Secretary warns that, look at this, the people who did not receive the VOOP, Americans, U.S. Treasury Deputy Secretary warns that the unvaccinated Americans, that shortages will continue until everyone is jabbed. Wow. So that's a direct threat. It's your fault that there's problems in the economy. I mean, you look at this and you go, again, how much more obvious can God make it? Think of this one. Look at this next article. Are Saudi Arabia and Iran on the road to reconciliation? What? This can't be. Oh, yes, it can. When you look at Ezekiel chapter 38, Saudi Arabia is surprised when this coalition of Iran and Russia and Turkey and Sudan and Ethiopia swarm upon Israel. But wait a minute. I thought we were friends. Look at that article again out of the Jerusalem Post. Are Saudi Arabia and Iran on the road to reconciliation? You know why we're reading that? is because Saudi Arabia does not trust the Biden administration. That's what's going on with that. They don't trust them. The West, in fact, Europe doesn't trust, they, they know they can't depend on them. Look what happened with Afghanistan. That's what they're looking to. You ready? Now look at this one. A reason why they don't trust, look at this. This is a Debka file. Look at this article. U.S. shifts towards accepting Assad regime. Israel is caught unaware. Wow. In the words of Don Stewart, you can't make this stuff up. I want you to think of everything that's going on. I'm going to quote from this. No, I'm not going to quote from that. I'm going to skip that. I'll do that another time. Probably during the middle of the week or some other time. Maybe another Sunday night. But look at all these things that are going on. And, and, and let's wrap this up so I can go to your questions. All right? 
Think of this. Two things before we go to questions. Number one, most people only turn to the Lord when things are bad, spiritually bad, emotionally, you're going through trials, physically bad, and then people end up turning to the Lord, whether it be a real turn or a temporary, not legitimate turn, not real turn, you know, just a fake one. Um, but I know with myself, I didn't turn to the Lord until I was at the end of myself. It was many years ago, uh, 32, 33, 34 years ago. Um, and, and, but I was at the end of myself. I was in my 20s, and I finally gave up. I was like, okay, God, you win. But most people are like that. We don't generally surrender to the Lord. Most people are like that. They don't genuinely surrender to the Lord until they admit, I've lost this battle. Some people are wiser than me and are smart enough to realize, you know what? I don't want to be all the way put down and, and about ready to kind of give up on my whole life and everything. I think I'll just turn to the Lord now because I believe what the Bible tells me. I wish I had gone down that path, but most people do that. But how I'm reminded of the words of David in Psalm 32 when he's repenting of his sin. He said, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. But when I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And then David said, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. I say, praise the Lord. Listen, if you're at that place in your life, you're thinking, man, I just stumbled across this video and I'm at the end of myself, surrender to the Lord. The Lord will surround you with songs of deliverance. He'll become your hiding place. He's the one that's going to minister to you. He will strengthen you, but you got to come to an end of yourself and a surrender to the Lord. Uh, last thing is this, be wise and turn to him while he can be found. The day is coming. Joel writes about it. The book of Revelation is very clear about it. The Bible tells us that God will not strive with man forever. It's just there's a limited time. God puts up with a lot. God gives chance after chance after chance after chance. But eventually a person's opportunities run out. How often can you say no to God? How many times can you reject God? God is warning us. He's making everything so obvious about the direction things are going. Listen, we're in this global state. All kinds of weird decisions are being made by these leaders worldwide. And yet they all fit perfectly with the Bible, what the Bible describes of the last days. Listen, if you haven't surrendered to the Lord, be wise. Turn to him while he may be found. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, the Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Um, I couldn't encourage you enough to, if you, if, you, if you have not done that, if you don't know the Lord, or maybe you, you walked away or something, you're saying, I need to get right with him, then get right with him, right? Because here's the reality of it. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 21. He said, when you see these things begin to take place, look up and lift up your head because your redemption draws near. I forgot to include lift up your head. That's also in here in that same passage. Look up and lift up your head because your redemption draws near. Um, we're seeing things begin to take place. To those who are right with God, it is joy. But to those who are not right with the Lord, it, these things are frightening to hear. Listen, the Lord loves you. 
Jesus himself said, I will in no way cast out anybody who will come to me. If you want to know the Lord, ask him to forgive you right now. Pray. Pray the Lord to forgive you right now. Listen, I'm going to pray with you before we go to questions. That's you. Pray with me. Then we're going to go to questions. Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I ask that you'll forgive me of my sin. I turn to you, I repent of my sins, and I surrender to you as Lord. I will follow you all the days of my life. Listen carefully. That's not a magic prayer. If you meant those words, then they're real. And you can know that you're forgiven. If you didn't mean those words, they're just like a rabbit's foot. They're not going to do you any good at all. But if you meant that and you prayed that, the Lord Jesus Christ will in no way cast out anybody who will turn to him. Turn to him if you haven't already. Okay, you ready? I want to go to questions. So make sure you put your questions in all caps. And, uh, and uh, let's get rolling. Are we able to pull them up here? You think? Go from there for a minute. Go from my phone while you guys work on it? Okay. All right, folks, I'm going from my phone. Let's see. Uh, let me pull this up. I got to pull this up here. Um, I've got, there it is. Okay. Question. I'm really concerned about how many people, this is from Picky Ricky, in my home church who are now believing that we are in the millennium. It is not being taught, but neither is Bible prophecy. Should I leave the church? Listen, Picky Ricky, you decide what you want to do with that church. I'll say this. This is really kind of interesting, though. Um, should I leave the church? Um, let me just focus on them, the people believing that we're in the millennium. The millennium is the time when the wolf and the lamb lay down together. I don't know what your church is. Te I mean, how can anybody be believing that? We're in this time of peace and, and everybody's getting along and Jesus is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. But people actually believe that. It's just I don't see how people believe it. I would recommend find a good church that teaches Bible correctly. But I don't know what area you're in. You need to decide what you're going to do. But I would personally... I would find a church that teaches the correct Bible, uh, Bible correctly. I would also find a church right now that teaches Bible prophecy. Those are really hard to find. But at least get a church that teaches the Bible correctly. And uh, you can always find Bible prophecy here and uh, other places too. Uh, Don Stewart, J.D. Farag, uh, others just do a great job of teaching Bible prophecy. James Cadiz and some of my other friends. A uh, question, this is from... Blessed and highly favored. Pastor Tom, uh, uh, I was, I asked a question on who will be on the new heavens and the new earth. Can you please help? I'm not so sure I understand. I'm not so sure I understand the question. Uh, so I'm just going to guess it at what this means. It is on. I can see it now. This is great. Thank you. But I'm stuck here for a second. Oh, this is great. There's a lot of questions coming in now. So who's going to be in the new heaven and the new earth? Everybody that's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody who's saved now, that's raptured up, and everybody who gets saved later on uh, during the tribulation period is going to be in the new heaven and new earth. And everybody who gets saved in the millennial kingdom before the new heaven and the new earth is going to be there. I'm guessing that's what your question is. Okay, lots of questions. Okay, this is great. I can actually see on the big screen now. Thank you very much, you guys, for fixing that. Uh, this is from Nina. Uh, could Psalm 45 lay out a broad overview of the marriage supper of the Lamb? If so, uh, will you preach on it sometime? I'll tell you what I'll do. I will take that, Nina, as a challenge. Remind me, gentlemen, will you guys remind me? Psalm 45. Okay, thank you very much. Remind me that, Psalm 45. 
I'm going to take that as a challenge. Nina, thank you very much. Uh, Navy, uh, question. What are your thoughts on what will happen politically in Texas and Florida since people are fleeing from the left states to Texas and Florida? All right. So, Navy, that's a great question. My personal opinion is most of the people that are fleeing from states like California, at least the people I know that have left here, are very conservative thinking. Very conservative thinking. So they're going to flood into those places. However, I've heard that people who also... Um, are not conservative thinking, who are very left, um, anti-God, as a matter of fact, are also leaving to these other places. Here's the weird thing. Those are the people that voted for certain policies, like here in California. Then they see them come into place, and they're like, this place is getting ruined. I'm out of here. And they leave. So this is where you need to be careful of. Listen, if I, would, I would make sure wherever I live, I would do everything you can to keep in righteous policies while you can until Jesus comes back. In fact, we, in the area where I'm in, we have a town hall meeting that's coming up dealing with the school, the school board and the school district where I live. And we're expecting at least 1,000 adults, even more than that now, to show up at a town hall meeting because people are fed up. But it requires you to be involved. So if you're in an area, let's say you're in Texas and Florida, <clears throat> let's just take Texas and you're there and you're looking and see a bunch of people coming in, make sure you stay involved in, in the schools, and the city councils, there was a school up in Wyoming that brought in this bizarre teaching. What happened to Wyoming? People thought, oh, we don't have to worry about our schools up here. Well, guess what? They did need to. When you go to sleep, you cannot allow the, the bad teachings that are anti-God and anti-righteousness into your areas. You just can't allow it. You, you have to be involved. Uh, let me move on. This comes from God's Beloved. Question. Where is the Antichrist during the bull and trumpet judgments? Will he be on the scene yet? Oh, absolutely. Antichrist, oh, he's, he's alive and well at that point. By the time you get to the judgments, he's there. Remember, thank you. Uh, uh, let me get to that in just a second. Um, uh, when you get to the bowl and trumpet judgments, um, yeah, Antichrist is already here. Remember that the, the uh, tribulation begins when Antichrist confirms the covenant of Daniel chapter 9. That begins everything. Listen, the rapture does not begin the tribulation period. There's a lot of misteaching out there. People have taught the rapture begins the tribulation when we go up. That does not begin the tribulation period. The rapture can take place and then the period of time, whether it be a month or six months or three years, we don't know. But the rapture is going to take place, and then Antichrist is going to confirm the covenant of seven years. That confirmation of the covenant begins the tribulation period. So Antichrist is alive and well and in charge during the bull and the trumpet judgments. In fact, it's at the midpoint of the tribulation before the bull judgments even begin, where he demands, he sits in the temple and demands to be worshipped as God. Okay, let's move on. Tuna. Oh, thank you, Don for your super chat. Really appreciate that. Uh, thank you very much. Also, Veronica, thank you for yours. Listen, it's a big deal. Everything we do here is by donations. And I really, we really, really, really appreciate, uh, appreciate any, any donations that come in. Thank you so much. Okay. This comes from, uh, let's see, this is from Tuna Talons. Question. In your opinion, who are the two witnesses? Yeah, good question. In my opinion, I'm guessing if, it's a bib, if they're biblical characters, I would, I'm guessing that it would be Elijah and Moses. 
And uh, I've thought in the past, Elijah and Elisha, because Elisha, uh, uh, or uh, Elijah, excuse me, and Enoch, because neither of them ever died. Uh, but when you start looking at what Elijah represented and what Moses represented with the law and the prophets, in my mind, uh, they fit the best. Also, when you have the Mount of Transfiguration, what do you have? You have Elijah and Moses that are there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And a couple of other reasons why also. In fact, I've done a, a message just on that several years ago, why I believe Moses and Elijah. But I'm not dogmatic on it. In fact, here's something. It, we might not even know who they are. They could be two other prophets that God raises up for the last days. By the way, let me say this. The fact that we haven't seen these two prophets is also evidence in Jerusalem of Revelation chapter 11 is also evidence we're not in the tribulation period yet. There's not 144,000 Jews that have been sealed yet. The two prophets aren't preaching in, in Jerusalem yet. So those are just two more evidences that we are not in the tribulation period. I have people tell me all the time, we're in the tribulation period, brother. You better start telling people that we are. Listen, when you look at the two prophets, their days are actually numbered. The days that they've already been on the scene before the midpoint of the tribulation was a 1,260 days or something like that. That's three and a half years. That's the first half of the tribulation period. So uh, we haven't seen that yet. So that's just one more evidence that we are not yet, the tribulation has not yet begun. I could give you a list of things, but listen, things are tough. Things are weird. We can see everything going this way, but we're not in it yet. Be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Uh, let me move on. Dove, or let me see, Joshua, is that where I am next? Question, no. Is it Dove next? Yes, I believe it is. Question, how did the person sneak into heaven? What person? The one that didn't have on the wedding clothes. And how did they get in in the first place? Listen, that whole thing is an illustration. And notice they were kicked out. Why? Because they weren't clothed. This is what, what it is, is an illustration that Jesus uses to help a person understand that you are not going to get there in putting on your best clothes. You're not going to be allowed into heaven. It's an illustration that reminds people that the only way we are getting into heaven, it's a, a parable Jesus tells, the only way we are getting into heaven by being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. It, it, it smacks in the face to people who say, well, I've done good enough works. I've done this. I'm going to get to heaven. I've been better than most people. It's my good works that are going to get me in, right? Well, those are the clothes that you put on, your good works. You aren't going to get into heaven. You might think you're going to be in there. No, you ain't going to make it. And Jesus says, no, throw them out. So it's understanding the you must be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So that is what that whole illustration is about that Jesus uses. Uh, let's move on. Question. Um, this comes from Joshua. Do you believe that prepping is okay to an extent? Is that still putting full faith in God? Uh, Josh, I think, Joshua, I think that's a great question. So prepping um, is... Uh, I, listen, okay, okay, how do I say this? Um, let me use the Bible. In the Old Testament, Joseph is told by God. He's given the understanding by God, the, 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 the dreams, the visions. He's given the understanding, Joseph, this is what you need to do. Seven bad years are coming to the land of Egypt. You need to prep. You need to prepare, store up for seven, worth of seven years of food for the famine that's going to come. So, Joseph responded accordingly. Listen, 
if you want to prep, prep. Um, but, but, and keep in mind that we don't know what we're going to go through before the rapture takes place. Again, the, the um, tribulation itself does not begin until Antichrist confirms the covenant. So between now, I mean, look how many people are going through weird stuff now. We're hearing about all the supply chains. We're hearing you aren't going to have certain groceries. There's grocery stores saying, we don't know what we're going to have at Thanksgiving this year. We'll have something, but we don't know what. So you start looking at things. You look at people that are suffering all over the world and have for centuries, have since the beginning. Uh, poor places, poor countries, third world countries, just devastated, right? And now we're starting to witness this. It's just, I, I think there's just wisdom in understanding that Jesus said, you will have persecution, you will have suffering while you're here on this planet. We are not appointed to the wrath of God, not that suffering, that's different. The tribulation suffering, we're not appointed to that, but we could go through some pretty difficult things. So if you believe God is showing you to store up a little bit, then go ahead and store up um, a little bit. A blues lover, no one snuck into heaven, that's hogwash. Amen. It was a misinterpretation of the parable, and it was just an illustration, again, that Jesus gave to help people understand you do not get into heaven by your own good works, by your own clothing. You need the righteousness of Christ. This, uh, this from classic Oilers hockey, son of perdition, he's called, not antichrist. Um, you have different names. So Antichrist himself is called, when you look at it biblically, John in one of his epistles actually refers to the Antichrist, specifically says there are Antichrist and the Antichrist. So that is a term that's used. Son of perdition is used, by the way, son of perdition is used for Judas and Antichrist. In fact, what's really interesting about Judas and Antichrist, they are both called the son of perdition, not a son of perdition. They are both called the son of perdition. Antichrist is also referred to as beast, the beast. That seems to be the most popular name in book of Revelation. The reason that Antichrist is stuck is just because the, the name is stuck, or that title, excuse me, has stuck. John says Antichrist, but then he also says the Antichrist, so it's stuck. But yes, you're right with the son of perdition and other names, but also John in one of his epistles does use the Antichrist. Okay, uh, Flyboy, what's normal? Yeah, I guess Tom is explaining it for Slowpoke me right now. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what that was a reference to. So let me get to this. Okay, wait. That's uh, thank you, Martha. Also, I really, really appreciate uh, your super chat. Uh, just any like I said, any donation helps. Um, I really appreciate it. Okay, everyone should stock up on food and water, or you're not smart, says Scott. This is from Charlie. Do the 1,260 days of the two witnesses have to align with the first or second half of tribulation? Couldn't it overlap these? I believe it's real simple. It aligns with the first because it's after they are killed and then the whole world sees them and they're caught up into heaven and then the second half of the tribulation begins. So in my mind, it totally lines up with the first half of the tribulation period. Plus, God gives us those numbers or puts them in the Bible so those who are living during the tribulation period can put things together. Think of it like this. In Revelation chapter 13, the Bible tells us, here is wisdom. Let, in fact, let me read exactly what it says. And, and I believe this is here also for people during the tribulation period. Here's wisdom. 
Revelation chapter 13, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, his number is 666. I believe God put that there for people who are living during the tribulation period, for those who are waking up to the Lord Jesus Christ so they can go, wow, they, they're able to figure it out. Right now, I get emails all week long about people. They've calculated who the Antichrist is. They come up with his name. It is amazing the different names of, anti, uh, of who the Antichrist is uh, are, that, that come across my desk in a week. It's just absolutely amazing. And all the different math calculations and all the different things and where this person was born and so forth. But listen, during the tribulation period, I believe this is here in Revelation so people will be able to Figure it out. Some will be able to. Here's what, why would God put it in there? Here's wisdom. Calculate the name. For those in the tribulation period. Remember in the book of Daniel, Daniel implies that those who are living during the tribulation are really going to have an understanding of the prophecies as they are uh, unveiled, as they're revealed. So hence the 1,260 days, it's, it's pretty clear in the Bible, this first half of the tribulation period, but these specific things are put in the Bible, I believe, for those who are living during those days that did not receive Christ beforehand. Okay. My pastor, this comes from Swift Bear. Uh, my pastor says there's no such thing as a carnal Christian, but the Old Testament is full of examples. He says it cause, uh, it's because they were not indwelt with the Holy Spirit, but we are and cannot be. I, listen, I, that's a swift bear. That's a good question, and I understand what your pastor is saying. Here's the problem with it: is that um, Paul to the Corinthians, he's writing to the Corinthians, and there's some carnal stuff going on there. But he also called them brothers and sisters in Christ. So the, he's inferring that they are believers. They are actually Christians. Very, some very carnal behavior was going on there. He doesn't condone it. He calls them out. The problem is, and, and, and this is, I, I kind of think like your pastor does, how do you live a carnal life and call yourself a believer? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and quite frankly, I don't see a lot of examples in the Old Testament. I really don't. Um, but in the New Testament, you do have the Corinthians. Um, in fact, when you, in fact, when you, listen, think of it like this. When you look at the epistles in the New Testament and the things that Paul is writing about, he's writing to the people who got problems. A lot of them, they got problems. You look at the, 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 the um, various passages in the Bible. You look at the book of Philippians and he calls out two ladies for always fighting with one another, gossiping with one another. Yodia and another name. And you start looking at the epistles and what the apostle Paul was dealing with Issues with the flesh that got into the early church. People tell me, I just want to go back to the first century church. Why do you want to go back to that? Look at the Corinthians. Look at the people living here. Look at the people living there. And I sure don't want to be fed to the lions, but we might be going back to the first century church in a sense of house church is the way things are going if we're not raptured soon. Okay. All right. Pookie, question. Thank you, D, uh, thank you, DNH Killian, very much also for your super chat. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Pookie question. Two cranes uh, started to unload the barge yesterday morning. Do you think that Biden and Mussolini is feeling much pushback that they are forced to react even though it's baby steps? Um, no, I don't think that's what's going on, uh, Pookie. I think uh, two cranes won't really do much of anything. Uh, you're, I'm guessing you're talking about uh, with the, the different shipyards, the different docks. On the, on the coasts of America. Um, no, because 
I think that Biden's not really doing much of anything. I don't think Biden's in charge of anything. I personally think Biden is a puppet. There's the puppet masters that are calling the shots, and, uh, and they're, they're controlling things. I think they, they want things to collapse, and, um, and, just, uh, and they're trying to bring things down in order to get the people uh, subjected to their globalist plans. So, um, no, I, I don't think that's what's happening. Um, I, uh, but, you know, this whole thing could, listen, this whole thing could flip. I don't know, but I don't really think so yet. I think they want to apply a lot more pressure. Remember, the climate laws are still coming also. Supply chains, climate laws, all this stuff is still coming. Economic collapse. I'm looking very forward to talking about the economy uh, this coming Wednesday on my midweek. Um, okay, let me move on here. Uh, Donna says, anyone can be saved. Repent, confess, Jesus raised from the dead after dying uh, for you. Turn to him and only him. Amen. Uh, this is from Brian. Question, Temple Mount Foundation, Red Heifer update. Um, I did a Red Heifer update not too long ago. Maybe I'll do another one coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, maybe I'll do that with David Towell or something on a live Monday or something like that. In fact, uh, uh, in fact we're gonna, this is what we're going to do, folks. I did an update with David on a Monday not too long ago, but the timing's really weird because the, 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 for me to do a two o'clock here is midnight there. So it's a little bit of a challenge. So I'm going to have to do something different with David. I'll probably have to do one a day ahead and have him. He's going to do a tour for us. I'll have him walk and we'll talk about, well, we won't go up on the Temple Mount necessarily. Maybe we will, but you got to be real careful what you say on the Temple Mount. And we'll talk about the temple and the placement of the temple. He'll do a tour. So he'll be walking. I'll have him with a selfie stick. He's the best tour guide in the world, and I'm not exaggerating. He is absolutely phenomenal. It's going to be pretty cool. I'll let you know when that comes up. This comes from Michael Marr. Question, Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. What does Jesus mean when he says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force? And he's talking about the kingdom of heaven on earth in the attempt to quash all the work that God is doing. That's it in a nutshell. I could go into it much further than that. I taught on this in detail when I was in Matthew uh, chapter 12. Um, and uh, we'll get back to it again someday. It's a great question there because there's a lot of misunderstanding about what's going on there. Thank you, Lita, for your super chat. Really, again, appreciate this so much. It's so encouraging. Um, really, really, really appreciate it. Okay, let's go to this question. Uh, this is with events like Starlink. This would be Elon Musk. This is from jstrom55. Uh, the giant and the UN uh, calling for a one-world government in late 2023. That could be the tribulation midpoint. It can't be the okay. Can't be the mid the tribulation midpoint. 2023 can't because um, that means we're already in the tribulation. That means the Antichrist has already confirmed the covenant for seven years. That means the two witnesses are already in G and already Jerusalem proclaiming the gospel. That means we've already gone through the seals. That means a quarter of the population is already dead. That means 144,000 Jews have already been sealed and so forth. So we're, we're, we can't be at the midpoint of the tribulation period. It's interesting though, they want this one world government by 2023. We're looking to Starlink. Who knows? When the tri Listen, I don't know when the tribulation is going to begin, as in the day or the hour, only it begins at the confirmation of the covenant for seven years. I don't know. I don't know when we're going to be raptured. I don't know exactly when the tribulation is going to begin, but I do know it's going to happen at exactly the right time, according to the Lord Jesus Christ and what the Bible has to tell me. And I do know that in the meantime, God wants to save souls, and he still uses us to do that. 
Uh, this comes from T. Marie. Question, what do, you, what do I say to my friends who think we cannot know the day or hour and who believe things will improve by awakenings and great revival? Um, I have friends like that also. I say, uh, you know, good luck. I mean, listen, I, there, there's this, uh, the uh, um, Kingdom Now theology, which basically teaches uh, we as Christians are going to fix the world. There's also people that believe, somebody already said it, we're living in the millennial kingdom right now and, and, and things are just getting better and better. No, we're not. Things are actually going the way the Bible says they're going to go if you take Bible prophecy literally. As far as people like that, I get emails from people like that. I've had other pastors tell me those things. I just disagree with it. I think, no, it's all going to come out in the wash, and, and, and I just I do trust what the Bible tells me. So, I mean, I'm not going to argue with my friends. I'm not interested in doing that. So, um, I, you know, what do you say? You can't convince somebody if they just don't want to hear what you have to say. Um, question, Martha, what about the Abraham Accords? Bada boom, bada bing. Good, good, uh, good question. Um, what about the Abraham Accords? Can you bring it down a little bit? There's another question I don't want to miss there unless it's gone. Uh, so what about the Abraham Accords? They're still alive. I, I think I talked about this in an update I had just the other day or it was on, it might have been on his channel. By the way, I'm on hischannel.com, uh, uh, their TV. I do world news briefing on Thursday evenings. You can check that out. I always have a guest on with me. Um, it's, it's a fantastic program. And then I also have today's Bible questions that airs uh, Mondays, uh, Monday afternoons, I believe, is when that airs. And I take some of these questions and I answer them. The ones I can't get to, I answer them on his channel. So his channel, today's Bible questions on Monday, and his channel, World News Briefing on Thursdays. But with the Abraham Accords, listen, they're still alive and well. What's happened with the Abraham Accords is, is you look in uh, Saudi Arabia, the, who haven't officially entered into it yet, but the UAE and other uh, territories they have back when Trump was still president, they did. They entered into this. So you got to think back a year, uh, just a little over a year as a matter of fact, because there's financial gain. There's prosperity. There's even, so they're willing to enter into peace to completely ignore what the, the, the Palestinians say is theirs regarding the West Bank and all of that stuff. They say, no, 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 we're not putting up with any more of the nonsense regarding that or the West Bank. And they're, they, they're willing to enter into a, some kind of deal with Israel because they realize Israel is a protector for them over there. Uh, they also realize there's a lot of money to be made if they can all get along uh, and, and start working out these deals with Israel. So, but, but I will say this about the Abraham Accords. In Daniel chapter 9, you have the Antichrist, he confirms the covenant with the many. That'd be with Jerusalem. Isaiah chapter 20, the leaders of Jerusalem. He's going to confirm a covenant with Jerusalem, the leaders of Jerusalem, and the many. So I would believe the many nations that surround Israel, the many Muslim nations, probably the UN and the whole bit. Um, but he confirms the covenant, so he makes it strong. So what that means is there's already a covenant that's in place. Antichrist is going to come along and confirm it. He's going to make it for seven years. It'll be a specific time. It could be the Abraham Accords that develops into that covenant that Antichrist comes along later on and confirms. So we'll see. But he's going to confirm something. So again, it's like you have a dentist appointment. Uh, you've got the appointment on the books. The day before, the dentist calls you up to confirm your appointment, right? So there's going to be an accord, uh, some type of an agreement already on the books. 
anti, it could be one of them that's already out there, and it could be Abraham Accords. And Antichrist is going to come along at a future date and confirm it and make it work for, he's going to make an agreement for, make it for seven years, specific length of time, and, um, and then he's going to break that covenant at the midpoint. A question. Um, let's see. My husband was saved and committed suicide. Is once saved, always saved. Apply here. Do you still get to enter heaven? Nova, I am very sorry to hear that about your husband. Um, a couple of things I would encourage you on. One of them is that um, I did a, an interview with Don Stewart about two weeks ago on Sunday morning. Can you, one of you guys give me the title for that interview with Don Stewart? Uh, and you can go back and watch it. It's, it's still on YouTube, so I'll get the title for you in just a second. And, um, and we talked about, it was a question and answer. I asked Don questions. He gave answers. One of them was specifically about suicide. What happens? Understand this. Suicide is not the unpardonable sin, not according to the Bible. The unpardonable sin is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So when a person, the, the, the Holy Spirit's, ministry is to, it's the witness of Jesus Christ, is to get people to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. When a person rejects the ministry of the Holy Spirit, they ultimately are rejecting the need to surrender to Christ. So the only sin a person cannot be forgiven of is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit or the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, with it on, the, on suicide, People commit suicide for various reasons. Um, there could be mental illness. There can be other things going on. So it is, I, I would encourage anybody, do not commit suicide. You don't want to go down that path. And, and why would a person want to test God in that area? I think it's a really bad thing. And the de devastation that comes along with family members and friends and so forth. Um, but at the same time, we recognize there is mental illness involved and there's and whatever else. So I go into that place and I realize that God is full of mercy and uh, we, we rest in the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, but recognize it's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that um, we cannot be forgiven of. But think of it like this, since suicide is a sin, right? Is that the sin that keeps you out of heaven? Well, because you committed it and then you died. Well, what if you lied and then you got hit by a car right after you lied? Or you did something else that was bad and then you died right after that, which is, probably happens all the time. But if you're a believer in Christ, did you lose your salvation? I don't believe you can lose your salvation. The title of the interview I did with Don Stewart is Everything is About to be Good. I think it was about two weeks ago. You can find it. I think it will absolutely bless you guys uh, for going on and uh, checking that. Nova, my heart breaks for you. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are watching this right now that are, um, that are probably dealing with the same subject with a loved one, with somebody close to them. Heartbreaking, very difficult to go, to go through and uh, very painful. My heart breaks for, for you guys. This has to be the last question because I've already been going like a half hour of questions. The bottom? I already did. Yeah, I said the title. Everything is about to be good by Don, with me and Don Stewart. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ryan, uh, also for your super chat. Thank you very much. I really, really, really appreciate it. Okay, this comes from Proud Boys. Can you back it up a little bit? Proud Boys says, is the third temple going to be rebuilt before Antichrist appears on the scene? Or built, I would say. 
Uh, I don't know. So my friend Bill Salas believes that it's quite likely the agreement when the Antichrist enters <coughs> into agreement with um, Jerusalem and the many to confirm the covenant, part of the deal will be to build the temple. So then that would mean Antichrist brings it. We don't really know. We don't know exactly what the contents are going to be of the agreement of Antichrist with, his, with Jerusalem and the other many nations, the many peoples around there. It could involve the temple, but not necessarily. And I think your question is good. Because what a, we can see the temple start to be built sometime soon. I don't see how. There's a big gold dome on the Temple Mount. I have some friends that tell me it's in the city of David. That's where it should be built. I don't agree with that, but nevertheless, that's a theory that's out there. I don't see how the temple could be built in Jerusalem right now. But the temple could be built before Antichrist comes on the scene. It is quite possible. That's one of the things. Uh, just like we don't know exactly when the Battle of Ezekiel 38 is going to take place. We know it's in the last days because the Bible tells us. We know the temple has to be built because uh, during in the last days, and it will be standing, because Antichrist will be demand to be worshipped there at the midpoint of the tribulation. And Jesus even defines it as such in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, where he commits the abomination of desolation. Uh, those are great questions. <coughs> Thank you, everybody, for them. And again, I'll get to as many as I possibly can also on his channel. And uh, I try to save your questions and answer them. And uh, it's one of my favorite things to do is to do a, a live a question and answer time. Listen, God bless you guys. Uh, tomorrow, 2 p.m. Uh, West Coast, United States time. I'm live with Monkey. Uh, listen, wherever you are watching in the world, I can't wait because the day is coming when we are going to see each other in heaven. Man, that's going to be awesome. Can you imagine that? We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air together is what the Bible says. That's going to be so cool. Don't know when. It'll happen. One day it's going to happen. One day we will all meet. And tomorrow again, live, 2 o'clock. Can't wait to see you guys. God bless. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.